Hi, and welcome to this month's episode of Notable Music Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Stacey This month's episode features interviews and performances with Mary Jo Call, Balloon Ride Fantasy, and Benjamin Nicholson. Up first is my interview with Mary Jo Call. Here it is. All right, so we're here with, with Mary Jo, the booking manager here at Howlers. When did you get into the music scene, Mary Jo? Mary Jo is, I feel safe to say, the matriarch of the, the Pittsburgh music scene. When did it all get started? No, I'm just like the old crazy old lady. that. It's hard to explain because I've always been a live music junkie. Like in the 70s when all my friends would go to the disco, I was the one that would sneak down to the decade to see, to see bands. While they were all at upstairs at Mr. C's discoing around, um, I've spent a little over 40 years in the service bar and restaurant industry as God server, bartender, cook. Um, I did a stint briefly in the early 90s as a after-hours DJ, classic rock DJ, really? in an after-hours club. What station was that? It was it was at an after hours club. Oh, oh! Like, so you were just spinning. from midnight yeah, uh-huh. to seven a.m. Uh-huh. I spun what was classic rock in the '90s, which meant it was songs from the '50s and '60s. Wow! But uh, I started here 15 years ago. Um, I was working as a paralegal for like 15 years. I had whatever, and but I'd always kept my hand. I'd done private catering and upscale catering. I'd been laid off from the legal field, and I picked up a job here as a Sunday and Monday night bartender. When I got here, the booking situation here was there was a date book behind the bar, and bands would come in and ask for a date, and the bartender would hand them the date book. And they would white each other out, put themselves in, on a weekly basis, you never knew who the hell was showing up, if anybody was showing up, or if 10 bands were going to show up. So at some point, the paralegal in me took over, and I just started stealing the date book so that they had to come to me. And then I got us on MySpace, which gave us an, uh, an online presence, and just started doing things and I kind of worked myself into this job. And... Uh, you know, I have zero musical talent. I can't play an instrument. I can't sing for shit. But I think I have a talent for recognizing talent. So as bands played here, and I kind of took things over, and I got too fucking old to be behind the bar, I just started bowing out behind the bar, letting the kids take over, and the owner said, hey, do you want to do this full time? And I was like, sure, why the fuck not? And uh, here I am, 15 years later, and um, I work here, and I do some stuff for Hambones, and, you know, if bands are coming through and I don't have an opening here or there, I call around to other venues and see if I can find them a show. I just, I don't know, I like live music, and I like, and I feel like I can recognize talent when I hear it. Now, if I could get the rest of Pittsburgh to listen to me. Right. <laughs> We'd be doing well. Well, you mentioned uh, going to shows in the 70s at places like The Decade. What was different then compared to now? I feel like, I mean, live music then uh, was harder to find. Uh, Inside the city, you had The Decade, you had The Banana, a few other places. If you went out 51, out on Route 51, there were a bunch of places playing live musicians. I actually hired the guy that sang at my wedding from some fucking joint out on 51. Um, But, because it was all disco and whatever. That was the big thing. I just, but, you know, like, when we were kids, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have, you know, what you young people have now to discover new music. We'd get up Saturday morning and take whatever allowance and monies we had saved and go down to the National Record Mart downtown and the guys that worked down there would say, oh, you need to listen to this. You need to li-. That's how we discovered new music. I still have a bootleg 
well, it's on DVD now, but or CD now, but it was a tape that somebody taped from April of 1982 of U2 playing the decade. Before anybody knew who the hell they were, they were traveling around in a van and pulled up out front and played the decade. I still, I, somebody taped it on a tape recorder and I eventually had somebody put it on CD, but I still have that. You know, like, this is how you discovered bands. This is how you found music that you wanted to listen to. So the whole live music scene then was all about going somewhere where it was mm -hmm. so that you could hear it. I mean, like, the legend of the banana is crazy with punk bands. And, um, and I had a friend in high school. I went to Catholic Girls High School, but her dad worked for the Syria Mosque. So literally, you could go into the office any day and grab tickets for any show going on at the mosque. And we, I saw, who the hell did I see there first? Bette Midler, Hall and Oates. Bette Midler was opening for Seals and Croft. Really? Yeah, and Barry Manilow was her piano player. Oh, wow. So, you know, and she blew everybody away. She was crazy, you know? So uh, that's how you discovered shit. You didn't, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have what you kids have to look for music, you had to go out and find it. Um, so you've been here at Howlers for 15 years, you said, right? Tell us about some of your memories of shows that happened here at Howlers. Anything stick oh, out? Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> We've had some wild things go on here. Um, you know, a drum set get lit on fire here once. Drum sets lit on fire. Uh, we used to do a thing here way back in the day called the PBR Punk Rock Night. It was one of my first big things that I put together, and it was second Friday of every month. And there's a guy by the name of Tom who played for a band, fuck, I don't even remember the name of his band, he's gonna kill me. Um, but they hosted it, and it was his birthday, and I thought it was would be quite amusing to get a case of PBR and put a cardboard lid on top and ice it like a cake and put candles on it and bring it out with everybody singing happy birthday and hand it to him. Well, that turned in, this whole wall was covered with fricking icing that took me a year to clean, to clean out. Not one of my brighter ideas. Um, a band, a bluegrass band called the Mon River Ramblers who were really popular for a long time and then decided they all wanted to be husbands and have children and whatever, um, did a CD release here. And our capacity, according to the fire marshal, was 150. There were at least 250 people in this bar. I mean, at one point I had a chair across the front door and it was like, fuck it, if you can get your ass in here, come on in. But like, and all I could think of is, dear God, I hope the fire marshal doesn't show up. I mean, we've done some crazy things here. Um, we had a night a number of years ago where the pie tasters played here and the entire staff other than me and two other people were at a wedding in Memphis. The computer system went down, the register shut down, we had literally close to 200 people in here and we were working out of a cardboard box. It was just like, there have been a lot of nutsy, crazy shit that has gone on in this place. The PBR punk rock nights, the uh, rockabilly nights we used to do, uh, was a guy by the name of Josh Dukes that used to do a Switchblade Saturdays that were just completely crazy. That whole rockabilly crowd went and got married and moved to the suburbs, but... They, they've played a few shows. Yeah, they do a few, but now, I mean, it used to be, you know, 150, 200 people would show up, and now you're lucky if you get 20 of them to come out of the damn suburbs and Talking come to a show. Talking to the rockabilly guys, though, I think there's a sense within that community that it's almost dying. Like, I remember last time... Yeah, and you know in. what? Now Spirit's doing a 50s, 60s DJ night, like, with rockabilly and shit. Like, seriously? What the hell? Like, if these young... And I found that the young people actually like rockabilly as long as you don't tell them it's rockabilly. Sure, yeah. You know, as long as you don't say the words rockabilly, they like the music. They'll listen to it and go, this is really good shit. What is this? I think that's true with, like, a lot of genres. Like, I think some genres have, like, a certain stigma to them. Right. But if you don't tell someone what it is, they'll be like, oh, I like this. Well, because, you know, the minute you say rockabilly, you start to think of the, the guys with the pompadour hair and the girls still wearing 60s out 40s and 50s and 60s outfits and the pinup girls and people don't want to be part of that community sure but the music is still good fucking music yeah you know sometimes music is all about it's just fun mm -hmm. 
You know, I, I and that's the thing with with music genres. Everybody keeps trying to pin me down. Well, what's your favorite genre? What's this? I don't have a favorite genre. Good music is good music. I agree. And I will listen to all of it. And I feel like I've learned to appreciate good metal, good hip hop, good punk, good rockabilly, good indie, and what it is for what it is. And not say, this is this, and therefore I don't like it. No, just listen to it. You know, good music is good music. And whatever your mood happens to be at the time. I mean, when I'm at home listening to my records, I go from Warren Zevon to Dropkick Murphys. And I will listen to everything in between, depending on what goddamn mood I'm in. You know, if I'm cleaning, I throw on the Murphys and Flogging Molly because it gets you up and frickin' moving. But if I just want to sit and chill and do my work, I put on the singer-songwriters and, and the solo shit, and it's good. I'm not real big on the slit your wrist shit, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Sometimes you want just a good cry. You want to sob your little eyes out, put that on. You'll cry like a baby and feel better. Um, so this summer uh, here in Pittsburgh, we recently had a, a music consultant come in and give a report on the state of the music scene. Oh God, I was part of that crap. Yeah, well, I want to know your thoughts on that and your recommendations from your personal experience. A lot of the recommendations in the report was stuff I said to the guy. Um, my problem is Pittsburgh music is not bad, and I kind of agree with Dave Wheeler's comment in that there is networking offer opportunities. They're called shows. Get your ass up and go to some of them. Go out, find a show, check them out. Stop going to just see your brother's cousin's buddy's friend, you know, and that's, and if there was, you know, like uh, that whole thing sprung from a survey done in downtown hotels asking tourists what their problem is, and they said that the music scene was not that well. Well, that's because in downtown downtown hotels, nobody's telling them where to find it. They're roaming playing. around town yeah. looking for a freaking place to see music. It isn't downtown, and it's never going to be downtown because nobody inside the city actually goes downtown. True. But if, I, shit, I'll freaking write, report, write the damn thing. I do it every day anyway. If you, anybody that's ever friended me on Facebook, Mary Jo Call, will see that daily... I publish an entire list of everything going on in the city, not just hollers and hand buns. Everything. Everything going on, where you can go see what, I, I post it every damn day. So I'll write it for the hotels. All they got to do is supply that to the hotel rooms. Hey, do you want to go see Bluegrass? Is it Wednesday? Go on over to the north side. They got the banjo night at the Elks. They got the Bluegrass Jam at Park House. Do you want to go bowling and hear rock music? Go to Arsenal Lanes. There's rock and bowl. Do you want to play games? Go to Hambones. There's pub game night. Do you want to hear this kind of music? Go to Hollers. It's every damn day. There is music all over this city. Go find it. Get your ass up, go out there, and find it. You know, we don't just have the south side and downtown. There's a big city, and there's shit going on everywhere. Amen. Now, Mary Jo, if, uh, if there are any young musicians out there listening to this podcast who want to get started playing shows in Pittsburgh, what would your advice be to them? Just get out there and fucking do it. Like, seriously, you know, Hollers is known as kind of the proving ground. Like, you want to do a show, I'll give anybody a damn show once. You know, come out. Don't ask me for a Friday if you can only draw five people. But come out, play Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, whatever. Do a show. Get your goddamn feet wet underneath you. Learn stage presence and do it. Build an audience. Stop counting on the same five cousins to come to every one of your damn shows. Pair up. Look around to the bands of your same genre and find someone that's willing to put you on their show that has a little bit of a draw. Dude, just get out there and do it. 
build an audience, hit the open mics. Monday night over at Mr. Small's Funhouse. Tuesday night at Hambuns. Wednesday night out at the, what is that, that star something out in Blahnox next to Moondogs? Oh, uh, Starlight, yes. Star, yeah. star something, I don't know. All I know is it's out next to Moondogs. They do Wednesday nights. These are all solidly... Starlight Lounge. Yeah, these are all solidly well-attended open mics. I go to them to try to discover new goddamn talent. I got a couple of shows coming up that I need some solo artists on. Somebody, and I, I'm actually going to leave here and go down to Hambones. Chet Vincent's host, hosting the open mic tonight. I'm going to go check out some talent and see if I can find somebody that's going to fit on these two shows I, need, I have coming up in October. This is where you get your feet wet. This is where you make contacts. This is where you do the stuff that you need to do to network. Stop sitting in your damn basement making YouTube videos. Because nobody gives a shit. Okay. Well, Mary Jo, that was very informative. Thanks for uh, coming on. How do you feel? You feel good? Uh, I've had enough liquid courage that I'm fine. <laughs> I'm well, really, I really, honestly, I really suck at being on camera. I really suck. I tend to say shit that people, like, get pissed off at me for later. So far, Dan hasn't asked me any questions that are going to make me do that, but... <laughs> You know, whatever. Well, I thought you did wonderful. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before we go? No, nah, thanks, guys. Get your asses out there. Play a show. Everybody else, go to a damn show. That's Mary Jo Call, the uh, booking manager here at Howlers. Up next, we have a performance from Balloon Ride Fantasy. Hello, we're Balloon Ride Fantasy. Thanks to Dan for having us. This song is called Welcoming Party. Everything will be 
Thank you. Thank you. All right, we're here with Balloon Ride Fantasy, who just performed one of their songs. What was the name of that song? That song was called Welcoming Party. Welcoming Party. Well, welcome to the party. All right, good one. Thanks. Good, good segue. All right, we're with Chris and Phil um, from Balloon Ride Fantasy here. Chris uh, is the lead vocalist, although you played guitar too, I thought. Yeah, I, I, I used to. I kind of just... Don't do it anymore? Yeah, I just don't like carrying my amp anymore, so I just gave I up see. on it. Yeah. yeah um, and Phil, you also play guitar at I one do. Point. I play guitar and keys. Yeah. Um, so now you're a guitarless band, but that's all right. Uh, well, Phil usually plays. Yeah. I just didn't bring it today. It's yeah. too hot. For some reason. It's it too, too hot. hot, yeah. It's too hot for guitar. Well, tonight. I appreciate you guys <laughs> uh, coming on here. Um, and I want to get to know not only about Balloon Ride Fantasy, which I am... A big fan of. Uh, yeah, nice shirt. Thank you. Uh, but also just like your background in music, what what got you started in music? Um, what do you remember from an early age that drew you to music? Do you have anything that you remember specifically? Chris, why don't we start with you? Well, I didn't. I wasn't really that into music as a musician. I played piano. My family had a piano, so I learned to play piano. That's when I, I first started playing. But I didn't really get into playing any instruments. I didn't even really listen to music that much. I didn't know any music until I was probably about, I don't know, maybe 13 or no, probably like 15. And then my one friend, he was like this metalhead with like a mullet and he was like all into like Skid Row and sh shit like that. And he started playing like Skid Row songs on his guitar. Like I was at his house. He was just learning how to play. And I, for some reason I was just like, wow, that's so cool, man. You can like play that song and it's on the radio. And uh, I don't know, that's just, that that was like the thing that kind of sparked me to become, you know, I started playing guitar. I played guitar for a long time in bands and started singing fairly recently, but that's what really sparked me because I, I just wanted to learn every song that I could. Even, even if it was like a shitty song, like I'd be learning like Steely Dan songs and shit, you know what I mean? Just because... Steely Dan is not no, shit. I know, I, I knew you were going to say that for some reason, but... <laughs> When I was in high school, it was shit. That, yeah, that's fair what I'm enough, saying. Now enough, I, I yeah. appreciate it's still in. But back then, it was like, you know, I was into like Nirvana and shit like that. You know what I mean? So, but uh, yeah, I learned how to play. I think it was like Possum Kingdom by the Toadies. You know that song? And I was enthralled that I could, I mean, I couldn't play it good, but that was like the first song I could really, that wasn't just a power chord or two. I was just, you know. But yeah, that's how it started for me, pretty much. Really cool. Phil, same question. Um... Yeah, I was uh, like, I don't know, little kid, toddler, and I had a little um, tape player, and I had Thriller tape, and that was like the first music I ever heard, and then I had the Star Wars soundtrack. I don't even know like why a parent would buy the soundtrack to Star Wars. It was just like instrumentals. That's great, though. John Williams. Um, yeah, John Williams. So that's all I listened to. Did when it have I, the Star Wars disco on it? Um, I have no idea. Oh man, I wish. Way. For the sake of your childhood, yeah. I wish it did. It's probably it's in there somewhere in my brain. Um, but so I've always listened to music. I didn't pl start playing guitar until I was like a teenager, and it was like the same thing with Chris. You see, like one of your friends playing, you're like, wow, that's that's cool. I want to do that. And the first song I played was Danzig, Twisted Cane. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows that song, but. Did you take lessons or anything, or were you in the school band, anything like that? So I never took lessons on anything, really. I just, you know, friends taught me stuff, and then I just started teaching myself, and then, like, keyboards. I didn't really play keyboards until we st started this band. Mm -hmm. So, like, I just, that's probably, if you see me play, you're probably like, he's playing real weird because <laughs> he has no training. Phil doesn't know any notes or anything. Like, I'll be like, play, like, we used to play guitar together in a band for a long time, and I'd be like, oh, play it, play like a, a G. And he's like, I don't know what a G is. <laughs> like, how do you not know? It ain't I, nothing I but a G don't. thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Cool. Um, well, when did you guys start playing in bands? I think my first actual band that played shows, I was, I think I was 20 the first time I ever played a show. Because I could, it was at the Mousetrap out by, uh, I don't even know if that's there. Is the Mousetrap still there? Out by the airport somewhere? I, I don't know. Yeah. It used to be like a hot spot, you know. I guess in the eighties. Yeah. When I was young in the eighties. Um, no, but, uh, I was so nervous too, man. It was like the first show I ever played. And I, I played in this like metal band and I was like, everyone else was just chilling out and I was just sweating and like, you know, it was terrible. But for some reason I wanted to play more shows after that. That was, you know, the first one, but 
Yeah, that was a long time ago, I guess. Phil, how about you? Um, I was in bands in high school, but we didn't play out. But, like, so the first time I played out was, like, my first year of college, and it was at uh, American Music Cafe in Murraysville. I'm familiar. <laughs> I'm from the Plum area. And All right. Uh, so it was there, and it was, like, I was in, like, a screamo-type band. Are you from that area? Uh, kind of, North Huntington. Okay, but, I mean, yeah. it's, like, mm-hmm. that. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, I know uh, Josh Burbanant actually played a lot. Uh, from meeting of important people, he played it a yeah, lot around. I there saw too. he posted like his old picture too. The other right, day, like yeah, because Josh week. is from from that area also. But that was kind of like I was I was a little too young for that uh, at that time. But that definitely was like an institution for like the eastern suburbs. You know, oh, yeah. uh, like AMC. Like, I've never heard of it, so I'd be that great. Yeah, I mean, it was, <laughs> it's been it's been closed down for. You know, 20 years on those, you know, it's been, it's been a really long time. But uh, it, was, it was a cool spot. It was just like one of those, like, you know, all ages things that all the high school bands can come and play. There's nothing else around. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's funny because that, I remember, or uh, Mary Jo was talking about the electric banana. Mm-hmm. Did you ever, were you around whenever that was? No, I was too young for that. Yeah, that, that closed a long time ago. But that was like, when I was in high school, that was like a spot. Mm-hmm. Like, Rusty Roop was always playing there, and like Brownie Mary and all those bands and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I was kind of boxed. I never got to play there. It closed before I was in the band. Well, now Howlers is the new spot. Howlers, 4509 Liberty Avenue in Bloomfield. <laughs> um, so let's get into Balloon Ride Fantasy now. When did, uh, when did you start performing in Balloon Ride Fantasy? Uh, well, me and Phil had, came up with, came up with an album, like an EP, I think it was like 2010, maybe? Yeah. Like that. It was just us two. Our first EP and uh, just songs that we he wrote and I wrote music or wrote words to them and stuff. So it was like 2010. We didn't get a full band going until probably a couple years later. I think our first show was 2012. I think here was our we played here. I think that was like our third show or second show or something. Yeah, we had one of the first. And we we talked earlier that was uh, the first time I played here too was with Blue and Ride Fantasy, my band Delicious Pastries. Yeah. Played that show as well with uh, another great local band that's not around anymore called Neighbors. Yeah, Neighbors was sweet, I remember. It was a good show. It was a really good show. I remember that show because that's the only show where I picked up my guitar and it was in the wrong tune. That was like the only uh, time I ever had that. I stopped playing a song. We, just, we, we played the song, I think, oh, yeah. four times we started it. It was in a different tune. And he's over there just sweating, like, oh, yeah. looking around. Like, and I, I finally just grabbed another guitar. And I yeah. was like, oh, yeah. Uh, we've, we've all been there before. And so what is the writing process like for the songs? Well, usually it's Phil will send me stuff. He'll send me a full song, or he'll send me like parts of the song, and then I'll kind of just write. Uh, you know, write stuff or change some stuff, and I write the lyrics and the vocals and everything, and all the harmonies, and I'll usually send it back to him, whatever I do, and then we'll bounce it back and forth a little bit until it's good. But then usually, once we go to record it, we'll really tucker down on it, you know. And then everyone else in the band, too, fills in stuff, and, you know, you know, we do fairly basic mixes together, and then they kind of add in the flavor, you know. Um, well, hey, would you guys like to perform another song? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Yeah. Alright, we'll be right back with another performance here from Illuminati Fantasy. This next song is called Arcadia. We have a music video for it on our YouTube. Such a panic 
That's on October 27th. That's our next show, or our next big show. We have a couple coming up, but in the works, mainly. Uh, where can people find your music or just information about your band? BloomRideFantasy.com uh, or you can come listen to us, Spotify, and all, pretty much everywhere. If you have like a, if you have an internet connection, just Google our name and it'll yeah. come up. It's everywhere. Well, speaking of that, where does this name come from? Bloomride Fantasy. Um, go ahead, Phil. I always tell the story, so you tell uh, it. Okay. Great aunt is named Blue Mountain. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, that would be a really good story if that was true. Blue Ride Fantasy Conway. Yeah. <laughs> it was hyphenated. Too. Of course. Um, we were just out ages ago in an old band trying to think of band names. And Al Franken just come up with dumb names. And that was one that kind of sounded funny and sounded like we. Look at that, we can just write down, you know, ridiculous songs and it just came back. So then like that we had that name in mind and then when we started doing this, we just brought it back. It's kind of an ex it's such a weird name that it was an excuse to just do music that was ridiculous kind of. Sure. So it was People would kind of expect weird music from Blue Ride Fantasy. Well, what are your influences like? Is it, I, I definitely hear like a lot of like synth pop and dance influences. What what uh what kind of do you draw from? I when I'm writing, I for this band, I usually draw mostly from like like 80s, 90s pop and like new wave type stuff like that. David Bowie and stuff like that. And just I don't know, just I I really get influenced by. Phil sends me something, and I just, it, it'll just be, it'll have a certain sound, and it just makes me, I don't really think of anything, it's just kind of, you know, Phil is my biggest influencer, basically, which I said. Same here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> you're your biggest influencer. <laughs> well, guys, it was wonderful talking to you. Uh, I'd love if you played one more song. Sure. Definitely. All right. Uh, so we'll be back with the uh, Balloon Ride Fantasy performing one more song, and then after that we have Benjamin Nicholson, so stick around. This song is called Human Bird.
Human Bird by Balloon Ride Fantasy. Hope you don't mind. We had some audio issues during the interview, but we still made it through. Up next is a performance from local singer-songwriter Benjamin Nicholson. He also goes by the stage name William Sparks. How's it going, guys? My name's Benjamin Nicholson. Oh, yeah. Good to be here. Thank you guys very much for having me. Um... I put music out under the pseudonym William Sparks, and this song is going to be out later this month as an acoustic live version. It's called Given Me Not. my own way push through the shame and if I should fall a lie won't stand so you won't stop this train it's a pity you lose this game I'm giving you all my love you're giving me not you're giving me not you're giving me Everything's wrong, and the screaming is done. You can bring it around, it's quiet or it's loud. I'll bend you my ear and hear your worst fear. It's not what you want, but you shouldn't burn. You won't stop this train. Ben Nicholson performing one of his songs there. Um, what was the name of that song? Oh, that song was called Given Me Not. Given, Given Me None. And you go by a stage name, correct? Yeah, so my name is Ben Nicholson, but I write and perform music under the stage name William Sparks. William uh, Sparks. Very cool. So when did when did you get started in music? Um, so I always, like, pl- I started playing guitar real early, and, like, I always loved music. Um, but I didn't really sing or, like, I didn't start singing until, like, maybe... Th- sometime in college 
I didn't start playing like real shows in front of people until college. I was always just like super, super introverted, always wanted to, but you know, I actually started doing it for real maybe a couple years ago and then started going actually hard maybe like in March. So cool. Uh, how about from your childhood? Is there anything that kind of drew you towards music as a kid? Did your parents play music? Did they listen to a lot of music? So my, both my parents loved music. They weren't, um, none of my parents are like older family artists or anything like that. But my mom, um, she had her favorite. She loved like Peter Gabriel. And my dad, my, my first memory of hearing any music is my dad would alternate between David Bowie kicks and Led Zeppelin kicks. <laughs> and then my, my mom would be Peter Gabriel. And somewhere between that, that must have done something to my brain. <laughs> In a good way. <laughs> That's great. Uh, were you in like the school band or anything growing up? Um, I, I wasn't a marching band or anything like that. I was in jazz band playing guitar badly, but I liked it, <laughs> and it gave me an excuse to pick up the guitar and take it to school. And I never like would go to lunch or study hall. I'd be like locked up in the band closet somewhere playing piano or guitar. Uh, or, like, I did the same thing. Yeah. Uh huh. I used to get in trouble for skipping class to play piano in in the band room. That yeah. was my thing. I had a really weird moment where I would get like these little sips like you can't skip lunch you'll get detention and then at some point I played the one time I played in high school was for like some like library arts thing and I made the mistake of blaring through an amp one time when I was supposed to be in lunch and I was actually in the band room and the principal came in and came he must have seen me play and he goes rock on man and he just left I thought I was in like the worst trouble but <laughs> that's great cool so you said you didn't really get started until you were a little older playing in bands yeah. what kind of gave you that kick to want to start um as weird as it so like I said I always I always played and I wrote for really long too I long time as well I was writing since middle school and I hit a point where I always thought there was some, like I said, I, I'm still pretty introverted, but I was really bad about it when I was younger, and sort of doing that thing of blind emailing, cold calls, all that stuff seemed like this impossible barrier to get past, and eventually, I forget at what point it happened, but essentially, I saw people who, with my temperament, who were able to get past it and sort of start doing it, um, and I was like, okay, well, if they can, I can, and then I tried to do my best to meet as many extroverts as possible, because for me, like, starting out, like, Having extroverts being willing to talk for you sort of broke that ice a little bit. Yeah. It's nice to kind of just sit back and let the extroverts do all the talking. Yeah, because that comes natural to them. So, like, whereas I think me or you might have to put in, like, very conscious, proactive energy, which can be done. It's just a different thing. Right, and, and the thing I feel, too, is, like, you know, I've, I think I've learned, especially through, like, doing, like, podcasts, actually, to kind of be a little bit more extroverted. But yeah, it goes back to to using up the energy. And yeah, I can be extroverted, but by the end of the day, I'm like exhausted. I yeah, feel you're like, like a you're like a drained battery, whereas like right. other people who God God bless them, they they get recharged, recharged from yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Does being an introvert kind of affect your writing process? Does it kind of like kind of help ease your anxieties at all? Yeah, totally. I um. All the songs I played tonight and then a lot of the ones that ended up on my first CD and what will become my full album, almost the one thing, I've, I've written a lot of stuff, but the one thing all the songs on that are going to be out have in common was I wrote them thinking, no one's ever going to hear this, this is therapy, right. maybe not even therapy, but just, just getting something off my mind or off my chest and then just on a whim, I was like, what do you think of this? And like, oh, that's my favorite thing you've done and they're all really weird, uh, weird lyrics that like, I tend to have, especially in the stuff that I'm recording now, all of them have really weird like opening lines. And they're like, I can't believe you opened your song with that, but then those are people's favorites. Well, you know, I, when I was younger and just started writing songs, you know, like many people our age were learning to do something, we went to the internet to learn how to do something. Yeah. And one of the, the piece of advice, whatever blog I read like, you know, 20 years ago said, it said, the key to writing a good song is coming up with a good opening first line. Once you get that first line, it seems to like kind of the song develops from there. Would you agree? Yeah, I um, I don't always know it when I have it, but I I find out like a month once I once I sort of like get the backbone to start playing it out. If if see people are commenting on the opening line, then I'm like, okay, I might have something like that first song, um, giving me not. 
uh, that, that first line of that is you can kick in my teeth and then it goes from there. And I didn't think anything of it until people were like, Oh, that's a really like jarring opening way to start it, but it gets your attention. It's like, Oh, cool. Then it gets your attention like a kick in the teeth. <laughs> Hopefully not that hard. Very cool. Um, would you like to perform another song, Ben? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll be right back with, uh, Ben Nicholson performing a second song here. Stick around. Thanks guys. This next one is called Notes Won't Clash. Just sing away Every word and every day I spent broken under your thumb My body be forever numb Everyone is watching now they gather round Placing bets and hoping I Just leave my love, my one desire But I won't look back And I won't look back Cause it's all I have And it's all I have and it's all I have And it's all I ask And it's all I ask That my notes won't crash Broken fingers ruin wrists They end forever with a twist in worn out songs At least there's feeling in my lungs At least my lover sees my way At least my lover has the same But if she ever were to change Oh, everything would be the same Cause I won't look back And I won't look back Cause it's all I have And it's all I have And it's all I have And it's all I ask And it's all I ask And it's all I My notes won't clash That my notes won't clash That my notes won't Oh, another another great song there, Ben. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, what was the name of that song? That song was called Notes Won't Clash. Notes Won't Clash. Oh, yeah, right. another one in that theme of um, you don't intend anyone to ever hear it. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, well, I didn't think any of the notes clashed. I thought it sounded great. I used to end that song with like a really obvious like major seventh chord. Oh, yeah. And I didn't... I didn't think I didn't think it was punny or on the nose or anything. I just didn't think about it. And one time I played it at some jam, and like it was one of those few times where you can get the room to be quiet and they're listening and they're into it. And then somebody just screamed like, you know, I, I sing end it with my notes won't clash, my notes won't clash, and I on a seventh. And somebody just yells, I get it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm never playing it that way again. So, <laughs> well, what is your writing process like uh, when you sit down to write a song? What what is your mindset? Um, there, 
I'm sh I'm sure if you you have this too, where like there's not there's not necessarily like one specific. It's case by case, but there's always like whether it be a guitar line or some words or like a thought or like an image. There's usually something that just won't leave my brain at all, and sometimes I'll sit down with the intent to write and I'll get something good. But oftentimes it's like I'll just sit down and be like, okay, I'm gonna get rid of this, or I'm playing and then like notes won't clash. For instance, that guitar line came first. I wrote three songs in a day and that was the last song and I was like putting my guitar away and just noodling like before I went to bed and I played that line and I was like oh I kind of like that and then it outlined like the chord progression and so like there's always like one little like key and then you open everything else up for me um and then usually I that song and then give me not those are both done wrote all the chords maybe in 10-15 minutes and then the words come in 10-15 minutes and I iron it out and make sure there's nothing weird or like nothing that breaks flow and over like the course of a month I'll just like you know make those last little changes and it's done um, where can people find information about your music this is very good timing that I'm doing this now is because just a week ago or so I finally made a real website <laughs> with a pseudonym uh, williamsparksmusic.com um, yeah it's got uh, you can stream my whole first CD off it off the website, um, and it's got links to my YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Music, iTunes, m most of the places you check out. Um, and it's got a music video, which I filmed, shot, edited, and all that stuff for one of the songs off the EP. And then it's getting updated with a live series I'm doing of acoustic songs. So the first, Giving Me Not, and then Notes Won't Clash are both part of that series. So their Notes Won't Clash actually just went live today. So if anybody liked the song, they can find that on the YouTube channel too. Great, very cool. Um, what is your recording process like? So um, that's weird because I uh, I tried having other people just through goodwill just be like, hey, can you record X, Y, or Z in high school before I started playing for anybody? And the first few times I ever, and I'm a control freak, um, which is why I'm here alone. <laughs> but um, the first few times, like, it was like super, this sounds really precious but it was super upsetting because like you know you have one thing in your head and then yeah. what comes out of the speakers you're like this this isn't it at all is this does this mean my thing is terrible so I said like I I went to Duquesne for actual music production thinking I'm gonna do everything myself and nobody else is gonna touch it and that way I can't screw it up and then that's how I did my first CD was just like two microphones in the living room and it was good in in the way that I got something done and out there as a starting point but I'm sure like I mean, you guys are a full band, and like you know that like making anything in a vacuum, if one person does it, it's not going to be nearly as good as the five people contributing, and you know your significant others and your family saying like, why do you you know like why is this X Y or Z here? And it's always better to have input. So I'm making an album now, and I'm trying to have other people help me out. Somebody do the art, you know, somebody engineer it with me, and somebody co-arrange just so there's eyes on it at every step. Yeah. I, I'm kind of the same way, where, like, growing up, I was very, like, you know, a control freak, you know? Like, I'd, I'd want it, you know, exactly my way. But uh, as I got older, I started to realize how valuable it was to have a second set of ears, you know, totally. on it. Or a third set of ears, or, you know, how many people possible to listen to it, you know? Because especially if you're working on a project for a very long time, your ears kind of get you know, stale to the yeah. sound. You lose you know? perspective, I you think. You do lose perspective, yeah. So just to have someone come in and be like, you know, that, that kick drum sounds terrible, <laughs> you know, or whatever, you know. Um, it's definitely, I think, valuable for that. Um, but you went to school for music production, right? I did, yeah. Well, that's cool, at, at Duquesne. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, it was, it was uh, I learned quite a bit there. I, uh, you need an instrument. You can't just go for one track. They, like, it's a general music thing. Right. And um, so I pretended to know jazz guitar. So like two months before my audition, I like crammed a bunch of lessons in and like did the tab thing while also cramming learning music. And like by the skin of my teeth, I got through the audition. And like I was never a jazz guitar player, but learning those chords and being forced to like open the real book and learn all those tunes, it really, I think, sort of maybe expanded my toolbox as to what I could play on guitar and helped me out a lot. So do you still play any jazz? Um, not, I don't gig jazz, but like, I still open up like real books and jazz books and learn those tunes just cause. As like an exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Um, cause 
a lot of the stuff I've been doing lately is I'll now that I know the seventh chords, I can now sit down at a piano and I try to play piano kind of consistently, but let's say I haven't played for three months because I was forced into learning jazz where it's like, if you don't do this, you don't have a scholarship. Right. <laughs> so um, I can now sit down on a piano and I won't be, I won't have dexterity or be able to play perfectly, but I can be like, here's this chord, here's this chord, here's this scale. You understand the theory. Yeah, and it, it won't be pretty, but I can bang that stuff out, whereas... Maybe a couple of years before, I would have been hitting my head against a wall, hearing what I wanted, but not being able to execute it. Sure. Does uh, that uh, influence of jazz affect your songwriting? I think so. Uh, for instance, that um, song I just played, Notes Won't Clash, that one's full of those like seventh chords. And there's some slightly different voicings and weird stuff that I, I would have found it eventually. But had I not known the jazz chords, it might have taken me a couple extra hours. And I might have maybe psyched myself out and thinking these I'll never get these right. Whereas sure. I was able to just pull that out like a tool, basically. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, well, Ben, uh, it was great talking to you. Would you like to perform one more song? Yeah, absolutely. What's this last song going to be called? This last song is called From the Stars. From the Stars. All right. We'll be back here with Ben Nicholson. He's going to perform one more song. Here he is. Just me and you were dreaming I'm out here all alone in case you're wondering what you're seeing We should get lost, it might not work, but we can try Now step outside your dreams and take a walk inside of mine We're all lost in our heads, in our hearts Door. Just me, just you, and anywhere we choose. We're shooting from the stars. Find out who we are. As we burn out in the atmosphere, everything blurs into one, my dear. And we're shooting from stars I don't know how but now I've landed on your cloud hidden in a haze of wandering endlessly for days we're all lost in our heads in our hearts in the dark just me just you and anywhere we choose And we're shooting from the stars Find out who we are As we burn up in the atmosphere Everything blurs into one, my dear And we're shooting from the stars guys thanks for hanging out thank you for having me um yeah have a wonderful night and that concludes this month's episode of notable music podcast once again i'm your host dan Steislinger. we'll be doing another live taping at howlers in bloomfield on october 9th tuesday night we'll get started around 8 p.m hope to see you there until next time 
And this has been Notable Music. Thanks. <laughs>